everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart Bell here, and great episode today. I just recorded with Dean. We did kind of like a year in review, uh, just recording this in between Christmas and New Year. So thought it was a great opportunity to pick Dean's brain, take a look at what kind of trends have changed over this year, what things we're still pretty bullish about, and the experience that we've had dealing with people over the last 12 months. So I'm really interesting insights here particularly in kind of the psychology interestingly enough the psychology of how people perceive requesting a book versus taking another action and what we can do to make that as beneficial as possible so great episode i'm really looking forward to you hearing this some great insights and i will speak to you on the other side Aha. what do you want to know <laughs> The secret. <laughs> what I want to know. Isn't that well, uh, a movie that I can't make a reference to? That's terrible. I don't know. We should move on with something more productive than me trying to guess well, at movies. I can't you remember. You grew up in a whole other country, so there's <laughs> that. With a completely separate language. That's true. <laughs> so, what I thought we would want to know today is a year in review of books oh. so we're yeah i thought that might be quite interesting um what sparked the idea is obviously we're at the end of the year so that's one thing and then another yeah. thing is on instagram quite a few of the ads that i've seen recently are for people using books in various ways and a couple mm. of different book type services um, but a lot of them are talking about books in maybe a traditional sense of publishing and best-selling and that type of thing yeah so i thought it might be interesting to talk about the changes that we've seen this year because that definitely seems to be less of a thing than it was this time last year this time last yeah. year maybe lots of people are talking about bestsellers this time mm -hmm. the reason the ad stood out is because it's the first one for quite a long time that i've seen so yeah thought that would be interesting well um you know the year in review in books has been very interesting because you know there's a lot of things that have happened actually a couple of notable things like you know people who are uh, traditionally using webinars as a front-end lead generator right. and, you know, finding that the cost um, of those leads is, you know, a what they thought was a reasonable amount. You know, some people were paying um, 7 or $8, some people as low as um, five or six dollars, but very rare that I hear that low a price. But most yeah. people would be in the ten dollar range or so for a webinar registration. And um, in one notable, like one that really stands out that we did actually on the fly while we were in Amsterdam was this gentleman who was there, young guy who was running very profitable webinar um, campaigns by right? doing it where he would spend, you know, $10 and, and uh, or 10 euros, sorry, just over 10 euros to get a, a webinar registration. And they were converting those at a, you know, fairly profitably. And we switched while we were there at the event. So we're there for three days. We talked about it on day one. He, you know, it was a fast action 
um, kind of guy. We turned everything um, around, started offering a book to the same, you know, in the same ad, just replaced register for the webinar to download this book and, and turn and got the cost from just over 10 euros to one euro and 18 <laughs> cents or what do you, what do you call it? one euro? Eight, what, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sense. Cent yeah, yeah, equivalent. Sense. Yeah. So yeah, one euro sense. and 18, 18 cents. And wow. that the thing is that often people are reluctant to do that because people think, well, uh, people who come to a webinar have more skin in the game or they're more committed. And what it really means is that you're just getting forced consumption, right? And that's, <laughs> I, I agree with it a hundred percent that that is what you want, but there's nothing stopping you from, and this was, this is the path that we take is offering the book on the front end and then immediately inviting people to the webinar or immediately right. just going right into um, playing the webinar. That's the first right. thing they see. And so we've seen that happen now, um, you know, again and again, that I've got so much evidence of this um, being the way to go. I love it even for, um, even for myself, for our stuff. You know, I just launched a new book called The 50-Minute Marketing Sprint. And our, you know, that cut our lead cost in roughly half from right. the from the previous control book, you know, so we're getting um, opt lead uh, book opt-ins in the two to three dollar range, and the um, you know, and that makes a big difference when you're, you know, even I look at it and our you know our thing, I was happy. And everybody's uh, uh, sort of in awe when you tell people you get them for four dollars, you know, or under four dollars. <laughs> and then yeah. to go to get them for a while there, you know, we were getting them at, um, you know, under two dollars. And then I kept I raised the age limit and refined the audience even better. And we're now at, you know, still two dollars and fifty cents kind of thing for our. Um, ideal audience you know and that makes a difference yeah that whole thing about the the two points to that the cost of the traffic in the first place and the yeah. ability to open up way more um way more conversations and much well, more yeah. cost effective price and then the idea of separating out that collecting the details from people so you've got that for the long term versus yeah. going straight for the offer and although the now people might be more now, or you might see them as more now in the original plan, the opportunity to talk to the people here and now later and not have to reacquire or repay for those same eyeballs. Right. The combination of those two is yes. astronomically different in terms of cost. Yes, that's the thing. That's my look at it, that I would much rather pay $2 today for a lead who might not buy for a year, but I get to email them for free for a year rather than pay $10 for somebody who's, you know, more inclined. I don't even know that that's true, but perceptually yeah. more inclined to buy 
now and then have to pay ten dollars you know again later again to, to reach yeah. them it's yeah. free it's free essentially to educate and motivate them and that's what um, that's what makes a big difference is the asset value of the list of unconverted prospects, the people who have not yet bought every, you know, the goal would be that every year that list gets bigger and bigger. Like I, I look at that, that's our primary asset. I mean, you and I were yeah. just talking about that when we were doing some of our, our planning um, our primary asset is our our lists, you know, our, our main lists of the the real estate, um, all the realtor side, all the entrepreneur side, and the um, and the book side. All of those those three things are the primary asset, and they've all been gained by um, somebody downloading a book in some form or fashion. Yeah, that idea of the people's concern about not wanting to stop what they're doing because it's working and it seems to be effective. But that idea of going from a different opt-in, a book opt-in, straight through to the same offer that you would make anyway, Uh just seems like the perfect blend of the two. If you're concerned about what the change might mean, then this is the minimum effective change that you could possibly make in order to get the most bang for the buck and yeah build the lead but then still immediately go into that same funnel i was just talking to um some of the guys i work pretty closely with financial advisors are doing the traditional or common postcard to events to to um, offer after the event that type of approach so we were kind of split testing the um the book opt-ins and the first ones go in january but the follow-up sequence there we were talking about having a couple of steps in the sequence to kind of move people towards the event but talking today i think changing that again so that we immediately go to the what would have been the original offer the event offer no need to put additional things in put the additional things in after and then cycle back to it rather than thinking about this as a funnel of campaign where there are many steps before you actually get to the uh no no you still i mean the fact is, listen, if you are, um, this is what I say to people, what's amazing, right? And we've done it with, um, you know, we've done it very famously with print ads, you know, people doing workshops or, or seminars. Um, you know, I think about Malton um, as a, a perfect example, Schneider, yeah. the um, uh, doing stem cell seminars and or workshops and running full page ads in the um, in the Louisville newspaper and, you know, getting 20 or 30 people coming to the workshop um, and then switching to getting a book, but now getting, you know, 80 people coming to a workshop <laughs> and building a list of 1200 people um, is a, is, a, has been a big, big um, win and that is the exact same um, model here. What I say to people is it's not like we're looking. It's not like we're getting a completely different class of people. It's just that <laughs> we're getting – you know what I mean? We're fishing yeah, in the it's same the same pond. pond. Yeah. The same pond is yeah. it's all of the readers of the newspaper or it's all the people 
all their news feeds in the audience that you are um, that you're focusing on in Facebook. Everybody there, it's a hundred percent of them. And when your odds of when your offer is, you know, come to this webinar, they have to not only be interested in the information, they have to also be willing to come to a webinar and they have to be available on Tuesday night or whatever it is. So they've got to jump through three hoops to do it. Whereas, and so, you know, there's no, uh, people are filtering themselves out of this instead of the people who, if you offer them a book, can ask for the book now and and still be interested in the information. So you're just identifying, you're, you're getting a more qualified, um, you're, you're narrowing down your list actually from the big audience. You're getting, you're turning invisible prospects into visible prospects. Yeah. And every single time we've done this, I mean, you look in every instance we, with the financial advisors, with, um, with the um, doctors, with coaches, uh, talking more, same thing with doing webinars, switch to uh, book opt-ins and engage with the people, you know, getting those leads for way less than what the webinar leads are. Yeah. On the leads front, this year has, we've seen a change this year in using lead forms more than um, yeah. sending people to landing pages. Of all of the people that we've worked with, for me, the conversations I've had, it's still lead forms still seems to be the most effective, seamless way of doing it. Have you seen anything different, or does that hold true? Um, that hold true? Well, been I people? think it goes down to convenience, and it's yeah. much easier for people to uh, just push the button than it is to go to the website fill something out, you know, anytime you have friction in something, you're going to limit it, you know? And uh, so I think that it's, you know, a good thing to, uh, you know, to get those, to use the the lead forms. That's, it's my favorite, uh, my favorite thing. I think that whole truth for the, all of the steps that someone would have to take, immediately after that as well if you do want to move them on to the webinar side of things or you don't want to move them into whatever that next step is making sure that that is as seamless as possible yeah see a couple of examples of people kind of stitching various different funnels or different assets together and even the visual incongruency from incongruency from jumping from one um one thing that looks in one way to something that looks completely different it's almost jarring and separates the the flow is making it as simple and streamlined and just the small steps for, to go yeah. from one to the next to the next i think that's right. way of going it yeah I've, yeah I've really i've come to this thing that uh you know what's really going on when people are downloading a book and we've talked about it before that you know since the kindle and kobo data came out you know that shows kind of the state of readership that you know really over half the people that buy a book never open it and right. you know that only 22 percent of them get past the first 80 pages and 
that is a, um, you know, that that's pretty fascinating. But I think what's happening is that we have, we're carrying, we're going along the road with, you know, when we're in um, our day-to-day lives, we're kind of dealing with our future dean and our, you know, present dean and our, you know, we've kind of got the planner and the doer, you know, and right. the guy with the hopes and the things and the present dean. And I say this, I'm taking myself collectively for for uh, everybody, that present dean, present you, only wants to do what they want to do right now, right? They don't want to do any, they want to put things off into the future. Right. I don't have to do something now. I don't want to do something now, right? <laughs> but we also get a sense that we're, you know, future Uh, We keep putting things off to future Dean. Oh, yeah, future Dean will figure that out, right? And then we realize that when we arrive there, there is no future Dean. It's all present (laughs) Dean. And that, you know, part of the thing is that if you live in a culture of, uh, you know, your own personal culture of putting things off to future Dean, that what ends up happening is that present Dean is constantly living in a state of crisis of having to clean up the mess that <laughs> present Dean left him in because he didn't take action when he could have to prepare for future <laughs> Dean. Right. Yeah. And so that's, you're laughing because you see that I'm, <laughs> there's a little bit of awareness in that, right. For me, but here's the thing is that, um, present Dean does think fondly of future Dean and wants him to get the help that he needs, but he doesn't want to be involved in any way or inconvenience <laughs> in any way. So he just I wish he just, would get it sorted out. <laughs> yeah. If I could just click this button and get this book that would, that future Dean would appreciate this. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it right now, but future Dean would love this. And I'm okay pushing this button to make that happen for future Dean. So I can pat myself on the back, feel like I've taken some progress for future Dean. And then I can get back to my day, right, of doing whatever (laughs) I want to do. But I'm not going to sit through a webinar today for future Dean. Right. Yeah. I'm invested in the outcome. I want it to get sorted out, but not to the extent of taking half an hour. Uh, Right. Exactly. I don't don't have that today. I'm not going to do that but I'll, I'll put this out there for future Dean. And so that dynamic, as exaggerated as it sounds and, and silly, it's exactly what's going on. I, I'm convinced yeah. of it, that that's why it's easy because we know we want these future things and it's easy to buy a book or to download a free book, especially to help our future uh, Dean, you know, it's like yeah. almost, yeah. And, and I, I, it's so great that we're, uh, you know, it's, it's really about this little, uh, experiment lab that we're running with our own brains, you know, trying to observe and see how things actually happen. And when you really understand what's going on inside the mind of your prospect, 
that's going to be a uh, that's going to be a big advantage because you can shape things to go with the current of that. Going with the current is such a fantastic way to describe it because trying to fight against it or trying to wish it was a different way, trying yeah. to change people partway through, that's going to take a lot of effort and really not going to go anywhere. This current, this train's moving in this direction. Get on board, understand where it's going, yeah. and plan a couple of steps ahead. I think that's why the book Blueprint Scorecard is written. It's it's ordered in the way that it's ordered. It starts with the the, who you're talking to, the target market, and then there's the title and the subheading because that's the first point that gets people to raise their hand. But then it jumps to the minimum viable commitment call to action. It jumps to what you want them to do next. And then it comes yeah. back to the outline. And it's not until we've done all of those that we even start to think about content because the content isn't the thing. It's it's just as you said, the it's the direction it's what people what we anticipate people wanting to do next and they're making it as easy as possible for them to jump to that point that's right the book is almost um it, it is the trojan horse that gets the the message through for the next steps that's it that um the um types of books that people often come with have People often come with a specific idea, if not a specific intent. So this idea of a manifesto type book versus a how-to type book, and I'll link in the show notes the link to the the book title types webinar Mm -hmm. um, workbook that we've got. But this idea of a manifesto book for introducing an idea versus a specific book answering a question it's a conversation that i've had a lot more this year than previously and i think in part because you've articulated it more and we've talked about it more ourselves it's more front of mind Mm -hmm. but it always kind of trips over a little bit as i'm talking to people the difference between those two because they get into the weeds a little bit and then the two start sounding the similar so for you the what's as you're talking to someone how do you describe the difference between this idea of the manifesto book and more of a step-by-step or how-to type book well, uh, and look at the um, you know the role of this, right? It depends on where you're trying to meet somebody. And what I'm looking for from the book, I'm almost always focused on as a lead generation tool, right? And so what that means is focusing more on the compelling than the convincing. And so I'm not trying to... Right teach somebody something. I'm not trying to, um, you know, give them so much, um, you know, action um, uh, for, you know, educating them. What I'm doing is I'm looking to think about what is it that they would really want. You know, we want this to really resonate with their desires. And that's why you look about like a, the manifesto type of book is putting out something like our listing agent lifestyle book, where the those words, if you're a real estate agent, resonate because that's what you want to be, and you've got a um, you've got a way to um, have a life instead of what real estate is traditionally known for is you've got to sacrifice your life to be a successful realtor. But it's not that way. We want to have a listing-centric business with an approach 
to lifestyle. And so laying those things out, when you lay out the sort of, here's what we believe, or here's what uh, this picture, the cover of the box, that's a good way to describe it, is if you've got a multi-part, you know, big vision for somebody that requires like, um, you know, a lot of steps and and hopefully a long-term relationship with someone, what a, a manifesto type of book would do is lay out the the cover of the box right. of the puzzle of how to put this all together, right? So if we look at the cover of the box is the listing agent lifestyle, but inside now, in order to do that, here are the elements of that. We've got to, you know, have a way to get listings and to multiply your listings and to uh, get referrals and convert leads and find buyers. And then the lifestyle elements of have abundant joy or daily joy and abundant time and financial peace. So we lay out, this is, this is what we're all about. These are all of the, um, the things that are in store if you buy into this listing agent lifestyle. And then each of the, each of those chapters or elements becomes its own training program. So now you say, if you, if you want those things, then we've got a whole program called getting listings. Here's how we help you do that. If you want to multiply your listings, here's our whole program around that. You know, everything is like an introduction to all of those things and gives people the map of the territory. And then ultimately the scorecard can help lead them to the path to. Yeah. To what that next step is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point as well, because so often it's kind of, I need to write a book, a book has a good idea, here's some words that could go in a book, therefore we should do that, rather than thinking about where does it fit into the bigger picture. The book is just a, a tool in this bigger thing that we're creating, and it really does depend yeah. on how people are coming in and where where their point of reference is. So rather than just do something, do the thing that's the most relevant to how it's being used at that uh, for that purpose, that job of work. That's right. Yeah. The um, the talk there about the scorecard as a follow up to help people. Well, the dial scorecard. In. You know, once somebody, if I look at it in terms, you know, if, if I take our approach here, that the once somebody asks for the book, the book has done its job. Now, what I want to do next is I want to engage in a conversation with people, right? I want to see, are they five-star prospects? Remember, five-star prospects are people who are willing to engage in a dialogue, friendly and cooperative. They know what they want. They're ready to get it, and they'd like us to help them. That's what a five-star prospect is. So when I look at, we always start at the top, are they willing to engage? So we give people next steps that are kind of like their way to engage, right? If you want to see how the listing agent lifestyle elements are working in your uh, business right now, go to listingagentscore.com, fill out the listing agent lifestyle scorecard, and then they see 
where they need the work. We do the same thing with the profit activator score. We do the same thing with the book blueprint score. That it's a way for people to find what they need to do, right? Kind of like where they assess where they're at. Now, if we look at our profit activator score card, um, I look, whatever we get, you know, lots of those every day, people filling out the profit activator scorecard. And what I'm looking for is we can see where somebody is, where their strength is and where their opportunity is. Right. And so you look and identify patterns. And what I look for our profit activator scorecard has, you know, the eight profit activators on it, I'm looking for people who are strong in Profit Activator 5, where they can deliver a, a dream come true result, and people who are strong in Profit Activator 1, where they know who they want to attract. And then they're struggling in Profit Activator 2, generating leads, and Profit Activator 4, making offers to convert those leads. Those are things that we can help people with, right? And so it's all now engaging with them. So we can fill out, take the scorecard, look at it and say, you know, and and start a conversation with them relevant about what the scorecard reveals for them. It's such a great, almost, uh, it's one of the great interview type questions almost of here's a way of, evidencing that you're a five-star prospect because you're engaging and feeding back and you're demonstrating or sharing with us that you know what you want and where you are at the moment. But it gives so many insights to then, for us to go back and continue that relevant conversation that you were just talking about. I think that's such a a difference from what everyone else is. I I can't think of an example where I've ever seen anyone else do that in all of the kind of like the consumer interactions that I've had. It's always raise your hand for something oh, well in the cases where it is raise your hand for something is then just immediately on to a relatively train of yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah other people who have expressed this interest have also bought this type of thing there's no there's no attempt to engage or right get to a real person and i think this right. is what we're talking about all the time it's getting to that conversation with a real person it's not just a burn and churn through automated leads it's right getting someone to engage in a meaningful way and then following following up with them. And the book is a great way of doing that at the beginning and then orchestrating those steps, thinking about those steps, uh, being That's that right. chess player is a great way next. Fantastic. Well, I think that does it for today. Thank you for your time. Of, uh, we settled it. I think so. That was uh, <laughs> 2019. <laughs> I like it. That's it. I think that's my big... Uh, takeaway is you know i am i'm bullish on books still even more and um you know i can't think of any better uh way for people to get started than to let us do it for them yeah that's the easiest thing fantastic okay well thanks for your time we will catch you in the next one okay thanks okay there's one bye bye
And there we have it. Another fantastic episode. Really love this idea of people willing to take a certain amount of commitment for their future selves, but not necessarily too much time out of their day and how a book really ticks that box. As we were talking, I was just kind of in the office recording here and looking at the bookshelf behind me and there's 20 books on the shelf that I have still every intention of reading and I'm excited to read and they've been on the shelf and in fact moved from the UK to the US still unread um, they've been on that for years and those are books that I am have paid good money for excited to read but still haven't quite the future me still hasn't quite gone into pulling the sugar on them um, so with that said two things that you can do to take this journey a little bit further first we were talking about scorecards through the episode so a link in the show notes or head over to bookblueprintscore.com and just measure your idea against the eight mindsets of the book blueprint scorecard great way of thinking about all of those eight different steps in a slightly different way and then seeing where you can pay more attention which areas need more attention in order to get the best return and then the second thing is obviously we can get this up and running for you so the quickest way of getting your book out there is to talk to us um we're just as I mentioned before the show, uh, just recording this a couple of days before New Year. So there's always the opportunity to, if you're not quite ready, to buy a book now so that you can write it off this year's taxes and then don't need to start until next year. So head over to 90minutebooks.com and follow the Get Started links at the top and you can see the options that we've got for you there. As always, if you've got any questions, just shoot us an email to podcast at 90 Minute Books and either myself or Betsy will pick those up and we'll get back to you. Looking forward to an exciting 2020 with you guys on board. We've got lots of exciting things coming up, new book types and um, a new focus on some of the podcast things that we've talked about before as a way of engaging with people for the long term, just as we were saying in the show that opportunity to freely educate and motivate the people who have opted in until now is now for them. So with that, I hope you had a fantastic holiday. Happy New Year to everyone. And I will speak to you in the next one.